Bibles this morning to the book of Job, chapter 14. Happens to be my mother's favorite book of the Bible when she was alive. And a lot of times we wonder why someone has a particular book of the Bible as their favorite, but uh, unless we know something about their background, why it's hard to understand. But when it comes to the book of Job, it's something we can all identify with. In 1969, at the first GMA, that's Gospel Music Association Dove Awards, the very first one, the Song of the Year, selected at that time was a song called Jesus is Coming Soon. Everybody assumed that was a brand new song. The fact of the matter is it was actually written in 1942 by R.E. Winsett. And so that song had been around a long time. And you think back, you know, to World War II and the, and the time when this song was written and what our nation was going through. But there's a phrase in that song that identifies with the title of my message this morning. Uh, it says, Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. I want to speak to you this morning about troublesome times. Verse number 14, Job chapter 14, verse 1 rather. Verse 1, chapter 14. Man that is born of a woman is a few days... And full of trouble. Well, those of you that know me know that I quote this verse all the time. It just seems like somewhere in nearly every message this verse comes to mind. And so it's for a good reason that I quote this because it tells us what to expect. And let me tell you, that's important that we know what to expect because there are a lot of folks that are depressed because they have unrealistic expectations. They think life ought to be pain-free. They think it ought to be a cakewalk. They think that it ought to be easy. They think that it ought to be fun and games. And they are sired on life because life isn't always sweet. The fact of the matter is, God never gave us the impression that it ought to be sweet, that it ought to be easy. To the contrary, God tells us that life is going to be full of trouble. In fact, the Bible tells us that it's not only full of trouble, but it's going to get worse and worse until the Lord comes. Whenever they transport troops off to war, they don't tell them they're going on vacation to get away from it all. You know, let me tell you, some of the, some of the most fierce battles have been fought on, on you know, in countries and areas that, uh, that are absolutely beautiful. I'm talking about the landscape. It's absolutely beautiful. And they send them off to war, but they don't say now... We're going to let you get away from all of the hustle and bustle here in, you know, in your hometown and going off to a foreign place and boy, you can just relax and be at ease. No, no. They know from the get go they're going to a battlefield, not a playground. And they need to, go, no, they need to know the truth about that 
because they need to know the truth in order to be prepared. And the same thing is true of us. God wants you to understand what to expect life to be. And, and here we find a verse that tells us very clearly. Now, there are three things in this verse that I want you to notice. Job mentions three things that are essential to our understanding. And he starts, of course, at the beginning. He speaks about the matter of birth. Notice he says, man that is born of woman. Now maybe you're wondering to yourself, why doesn't he just say man? Why, why does he mention this? Well, he mentions it because it was not true of Adam. And that's an important factor. Being a few days in full of trouble applies only to people that lived after the fall of man. And that's noteworthy because you'll remember that David said, whenever he was talking about his spiritual condition, he said in Psalms 51.5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. The point is that we are born with a sinful nature. And that leads to all of the bad things that happen. When I say all of the bad things, I'm talking about all of the bad things that could be said of us. And all of the bad things that could be said of this world. The point is, this world is not as God created it. This world is not as God intends for it to be. Something is amiss. Something is wrong. There has been a, a, a tragic fall taking place. Man that is born of woman is full of trouble. We, we often think about Adam and in that perfect paradise where God placed him. No sickness, no pain. I mean, everything was, everything was just perfect until sin entered into the picture. And so God wants you to understand what to expect. We're to expect trouble, but we're to understand that this world as it is now is not the world God intended for it to be. Understand that, because we've got to live with what we got until we get something better. And there's no need in us complaining about it. It'd be easy. It would have been easy for Job. After all, here's a man that lost all ten of his kids. He lost his business. He lost everything. His wife turned against him. His friends were a burden to him. He basically lost everything. And yet, and yet he did not accuse God. He didn't say, Lord, you're just being too unfair. You're too strict. This is too overbearing. This is just not right what you're doing to me. So understand that when you're going through these difficult times, the world is not as God wanted it to be or not as He wants it to be. It is what it is. So Job speaks of the matter of birth. But notice then, he speaks about the matter of our burdens. Man that is born of woman is a few days in what? Notice, full of trouble. There's a lot of different ways to describe the world that we live in. We could all think of different, different words that would be descriptive of this world, but I, I gotta tell you, I can't think of anything really any better than the word trouble here. 
Describe it in one word unless you use the word sinful. If it wasn't sinful, it wouldn't be troublesome. That word trouble there means rage. It means noise, fear, wrath, troubling. It also means agitation, excitement, raging, turmoil, trim, and trembling. And look, that describes the experience of every person down through the ages, all the way back to the fall of man. And in spite of all of our best efforts that we've made, trying to create a generation that is free from this problem, well, you can see we still got what we had, right? It's still not a trouble-free zone. It's still not a problem-free world that we live in. Job is speaking about the frailty and the feebleness of fallen man, and it's a pitiful picture. It's the result of the ruin brought about by Adam's sin. So many times we try to figure out, you know, what is it that it causes man to be like he is? And by the way, we're going to talk about some of that tonight. You know, why things are as they are. What's wrong and why are they wrong and things of that nature. Well, it's very apparent things are wrong because man has a sinful nature. That's why we don't have to teach little children to do wrong. They'll do that naturally. You don't have to, you know, you know, in the first grade, give them a, a class devoted to how to do things that are wrong. They'll figure that out all by themselves. So Job says that this life is described as being full of trouble. So troubles are inevitable. Regardless of who you are, regardless of how hard you try to eliminate them, you'll never be able to escape trouble. They're inevitable. And they differ in nature. There are physical ailments to contend with. Some of you are doing that right now. Brother Ron had to go home a while ago. Why? Because of physical ailments. I think about the Apostle Paul and how he suffered, how greatly he suffered. Now here is a man of God, somebody that loved the Lord, somebody that devoted their life to serving other people, and yet, in spite of all of that, he had physical ailments. There's abuse from others. I think about Joseph and how unfair that was for Joseph to be sold into slavery by his own brothers. To be abused, what horrible suffering that is. You know, that suffering like that can be worse than physical suffering. Then there is the emotional trauma brought about by our troubles. Well, somebody might be physically healthy as a horse, you know, and strong as a mule and just, you know, seemingly able to overcome anything. But all of a sudden, something happens that... that that creates such an emotional trauma that it brings them down to their knees and renders them useless, basically. Then there's poverty. That, that's no small thing. You know, we think about poverty here in America. We really don't even understand what poverty is. 
Poverty is over there in those third world countries where people are searching through the garbage dumps trying to get just the, the scraps that somebody has thrown away. Poverty, being without, that, that's a troublesome thing in a good part of the world that we live in. Then there's the loss of loved ones. That's a, another kind of trouble. That's no small matter. Some folks will be going to the cemetery tomorrow. They'll be standing there at the grave of someone they love dearly. Someone that has already gone on and trying to, to deal with the loss of someone you love. So our troubles are of different natures. They come to us in different ways. And to top it all off, they vary in intensity. That's why it's never wise for us to compare our troubles to the troubles of somebody else. Because we can't possibly understand what they're going through because the intensity of pain is different for different people. You don't know how somebody else feels. You might be able to say, well, you know, I experienced that. You know, I had the same experience that you did. But you don't know how they feel. Because they feel different about it because of the intensity of the pain that they have to endure. Few days full of trouble. And these trouble, troubles, whatever the nature is, whatever the intensity is, these troubles come from different causes. It might be personal sin. Something that we bring up on ourselves. So many times, you know, we want to blame someone else. We want to blame the environment. We want to blame the world that we live in. Well, if it wasn't for the world, I wouldn't have all of these problems. If it wasn't for my wife or my husband or my parents, you know, it's all their fault that I have these problems. No, most of the time it's because of personal sin in our life. You, you, you see, we're our own worst enemy most of the time. We bring these problems upon ourselves. And so we have to deal with troubles that are created as a result of our personal sin. But then we have to deal with troubles that are created as a result of the sins of others. Very real, painful troubles that people have to go through. Not because they did something wrong, but because of the sins of maybe their parents. And I've often said, you know, if sin didn't affect anybody but you, now that'd be bad enough. But if it didn't affect anybody but you, you know, that's not, that's not quite so bad. But it affects everybody that you come in contact with. And it's so painful to watch little children have to suffer as a result of the sins of their parents. And seemingly, a lot of the parents never take into consideration the effect their sin's going to have on their children. And it does. They end up paying for it the rest of their lives. But then there, there is sin not, not brought on us by our own sin. There are troubles brought upon us, not even because of the sins of others, but for no apparent reason. <laughs> That leaves us just scratching our head wondering what in the world is going on. 
I got on my knees and I prayed and I asked the Lord, Lord, if there's anything in my heart that is wrong, if I have the wrong attitude, if I've been doing the wrong things, Lord, if, if I'm the cause of this trouble in my life, please tell me I want to make it right. And we confess every known sin and do everything we possibly can to eliminate sin in our life. And yet we're... We're suffering not because of a sin that we committed and not because of something somebody else did, but for no apparent reason. And that's really what Job was going through. Job couldn't understand it. His, his friends thought they had all of the answers and they didn't even know the questions. Now here they're trying to figure it all out. They, you know, told Job, surely you must be hiding some sin. There's got to be some reason that God is letting this happen to you. And you must be a hypocrite, Job. They didn't have a clue what was really going on. And boy, whenever you get into the spiritual realm, and you think about the struggle between right and wrong and good and bad, and you think about God and you think about Satan... There's so much of that we don't understand. And there are going to be things happen in your life, troubles that are going to come your way that's not your fault personally. It's not somebody else's fault because they did it to you. You, you, you just don't know why. You don't know the reason. But understand this. There is a reason. And you don't need to know what the reason is. It's just to know that God has a reason. And if you're a child of God and the will of God, you can rest your soul upon the fact that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord or the called according to His purpose. That God has a reason that God is working, God is doing, and certainly we don't understand it at the time. And Job didn't understand it at the time. Job thinks, I've lost everything. How can any good thing come out of this? And we find ourselves there sometime. You see, troubles put us in great need. And thankfully, God is our help in a time of need. Amen. That's what the psalmist said. Yeah. He's our help in time of need. Imagine living in a world without help. Think about that. No help. Whatever it is you're going through, you've just got to get through it. Because there's no help. The preacher can't help. The politicians can't help. The educators can't help. Nobody can help. God won't help. You're just without help. But God assures us that He is our helper. And Job discovered that. Job didn't have anywhere else to go. Nobody else could help. Some wouldn't help. But God revealed to him that he was his help in a time of need. So there is the birth and there are the burdens. Burdens that you're never going to be able to eliminate. Burdens that are going to come into your life sometimes without rhyme or reason. You'll never be able to figure out exactly why. But then notice that Job mentions brevity. He says, man that is born of a woman is a few days. 
the Bible speaks much about the brevity of life. In fact, if you just read on, you'll see that he, he speaks about life being like, like flowers. Think about a little flower that's here today. It's beautiful and fragrant, and all of a sudden it's, well, it withers and it dies and it's gone tomorrow. He thinks about, he speaks about life being like a shadow. You know, it's here one minute and then all of a sudden it's gone. That, that's the way life is. And all through the Bible it speaks about the brevity of life. And most of the time you and I think about the brevity of life as something to be sorry about, right? Don't we? I mean, maybe the doctor says, look, I, I'll give you five more years at the best. The disease you've got is incurable. You're going to have to live with it. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. There are going to be times you think you can't get through it. You know, with my help, I'll, I'll help you. I'll give you the right medicines. I'll minister to you. I'll help you the best I can. But you've only got it the most four or five years left. And boy, we begin to thinking about the brevity of life, you know, and we think, well... I mean, that's, face it, that's why a lot of people don't want to talk about their age. Right, ladies? It's not about the wrinkles and all that. It's about you're going to die. You're going to stop breathing. They're going to put you in a hole in the ground, throw six foot of dirt in your face. I mean, that's where you're headed. You don't like that, but I'm telling you, that's where you're headed. You are a few days. Whether you live 70 years, 80 years, or 100 years, you are a few days. And instead of us, instead of us thinking about this from the negative side, why don't we think about this as a reason to rejoice? We are a few days. It's not something to regret. It's something to rejoice about for several reasons. Number one, it's going to put an end to sin. In this world, we have to contend with sin. It is the very factor that subjects us to such great pain. It's the thing that creates our problems. But thank God, we are a few days and sin is going to eventually come to an end. There will be no more sin. Not only will sin end, but difficulties will end also. No difficulties. Labor will end, according to Revelation. The Apostle John tells us, you know, we'll labor no more. Now, I know that we'll be busy serving the Lord throughout all of eternity, but that's not labor. Labor is working to the point of exhaustion. And what we do for the Lord is going to be a joy, not a burden. To labor no more. Suffering will stop. You, you know, labor's not so bad if you don't suffer along with it. You know, if you could work all day every day and so forth, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be bad as long as you can do it and not hurt. It's that hurting, it's the pain, it's the suffering that makes things so difficult. But suffering's going to stop someday. Amen. And boy, whenever you're really, you know, suffering and, uh, I, you, you know, I don't know, sometimes I, I get to thinking, well, 
because as we get older and we begin to suffer more, maybe maybe we're wondering, well, you know, I I don't understand why God is uh, letting this happen to me. Well, you know, it might be God is just creating within you a desire for the peace and the rest and the joy that's to come. He's trying to create in us a spirit of being heavenly minded because we know that suffering is going to stop. Not only suffering going to stop, but our desires are going to be satisfied. Wow. It's it's a bit hard trying to satisfy people in this world. We, we don't ever seem to be satisfied, do we? Really? I mean, regardless of what we do, regardless of what we get or anything else, there's always that that nagging desire for something more, something better, you know, it, it just it's always there. But imagine living in a place where all of your desires are going to be satisfied. You, you see, satisfaction is the very thing that Solomon was looking for. And he tells us about it in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's hunting for satisfaction. He tries this and he tries that and he tries the other. I mean, he runs the whole gamut. He tries everything and nothing brought him satisfaction. Well, I've got good news. One of these days, every child of God is going to be satisfied because heaven, heaven awaits. Heaven awaits. Turn over just a few pages to chapter number 19. I want you to notice what what Job said in verse number 26. He said, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Imagine that. In my flesh shall I see God. We're going to go from grief to glory, from pain to pleasure, from hardships to home. As I said many times back years ago when I was traveling all over the country and preaching revivals and, and gone so many weeks out of the year, and but I, I always, you know, knew that, that eventually I'm hopefully going to get back home. I was preaching over just a bit south of St. Louis, Missouri, one night and I'd gone through a week-long revival meeting, was headed back, and there was a tornado, and I mean, a boy, I come through a storm that, wow. And I had one thing in mind, thank God I'm going through this storm now, but as soon as I get through it and I, and I get headed toward home, I know when I get home, I'm going to have people there that love me. When I get home, I'll have a good home-cooked meal. When I get home, I'll have my bed to sleep in. When I get home, I'll have all of those comforts, you see. And, and thank God for those of us who know Christ is our Savior. Heaven is our home. We are Look, we are a few days, just a few days. It might be a hundred years. What if it was 150 years? That's just a few days compared to eternity. And you're going home. For the Christian, you see, there's something better than life. Better than life? What could be better than life? Paul said, for to me to live is Christ. And to die, he said, is gain. It's gain. 
And the fact that we are a few days is something that we ought to, we ought to treasure. Look in verse 14 of chapter 14. Notice what Job says. If a man die, shall he live again? All of the days, all of the days of my, of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. I want you to notice that phrase of my appointed time. Now that's what? One, two, three. That's four English words, but that is one Hebrew word. And I mention that because that one Hebrew word means warfare or battle. Do you see what he's saying? The days of my warfare, the days of my battle, the days of my hardships, in other words. My troublesome times. That's exactly what he's talking about. And that helps us to understand what he meant in verse 1 where he says our days are what? Full of trouble. Why are they full of trouble? Because we're living in a time of warfare, strife, and battle, hardships. And he says, all of the days of my warfare. Now that describes what life is now. But notice, Job tells us there's a change coming. Notice, he said that he would wait until my change come. That's why I keep saying over and over and over again, for the Christian, the best is always yet to come. It's always yet to come. Somebody says, oh, it can't get any better than this. Oh, yeah, it's going to get a lot better than this. Regardless of how good you've got it now, you haven't touched the hem of the garment. You haven't seen anything yet. It's going to get better. Amen. And Job said, I'm waiting. I'm waiting until my change comes. And I want you to know I want you to ask what I'm doing, waiting till my change comes. You see, Job had lost everything, as I mentioned earlier, all ten kids, everything was lost. He lost everything except his faith in God. Notice what he said in chapter 13 and verse number 15, though he slay me, though God kills me, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Amen. That's faith. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to trust God. My days may be full of trouble. I may be in a battle. I might be in a warfare. But there's a change coming. So Job says, that's the day I'm waiting for. Some of our dear friends, Gladys and Roger Roundtree, used to sing and Sing an old song says, I'm homesick for heaven. I've got a longing to go. I think about that song a lot. As I get older, I think about it more all of the time. I've got a homesick, I'm homesick for heaven. I've got a longing to go. Would you be ready? Would you be ready? I mean, if you knew that your days were going to come to an end at sunset tonight, would you be ready to meet the Lord? Can you say, as Job did, you know, though he slay me, I will trust him. Have you put your faith in the Lord? 
Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Get it over with. Get out of your misery. I can't help but wondering what happened to her when she died. You ever thought about that? Job said, though he slay me, I'm going to trust him. Well, Job, how can you do that? He says, because I know that in my flesh I shall see God. There is a change coming. There's coming a day when God's going to heal every disease. He's going to raise the dead, fix every problem. Thank God for the hope that is within us as a result of trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So when you think about the brevity of life, please remember what I'm saying. Don't think about it just in terms, well, I'm going to have to leave my family. I'm going to have to leave this world. Think about it in the terms of not what you're losing, but what you're gaining. Not what you're leaving, but where you're going. Because for a Christian, hey, you're going home. There's a light on in the window now waiting for me. Thank God the welcome committee will be there in that day and usher you through those pearly gates into the very presence of the One who died for you. Amen. You have reason to rejoice. Let's all stand. And if you're here today and you don't have that faith in the Lord, you don't have the assurance of heaven as your home, would you come right now? Maybe you're thinking, well, preacher, there's so many things I don't understand. Well, join the club. There's a lot of things none of us understand. But understand this, that you are a sinner in need of salvation, just like me and every other person on the face of the earth. And Jesus Christ has made it possible for you to be reconciled to God, for you to have a relationship with your Creator. He paid the price when He died on the cross and shed His blood that you might be saved. Why would you not trust Him? Would you do that this morning as we sing together? You come.